Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for October 30th, 2022. That's the 21st Sunday after Pentecost and also the Festival of the Reformation. And for our Sunday School story this week, we're looking at a couple of different passages from Genesis put together. First, Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6. And then Genesis 17, verses 1 through 22. They're tied closely together. You'll see why in just a minute or two. But a big lesson here as we see God's plan for salvation take hold is that God will keep his promises and God will keep his promises according to his will. Anyways, Genesis chapter 15 Verse 1, we read, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. All right, so there's our our portion of this story from Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. It begins after these things to indicate a new narrative or a chapter break, if you will. Because remember, when the Old Testament or any book of the Bible was written, there were no chapter breaks or verse numbers. It was just one long story. And so some time has passed between Genesis 14 and Genesis 15. In Genesis 14, there's um, a significant war near Abram. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah are defeated. And they and their citizens are taken into captivity. And that includes Abram's nephew, Lot. And so Abram takes his men... And he wages war and defeats the enemies, rescues the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and their citizens, refuses any gifts from them. And then at the very end of 14, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, appears, the king of peace. And he blesses Abram, gives him bread and wine, and Abram gives to Melchizedek a a tenth of what he has. And, and, and this Melchizedek um, is a type of Christ, at least, if not the pre-incarnate Christ, um, blessing Abram, this servant of God. So that's the end of 14. Then we get to Genesis 15, and our, our first text for, for, this, for today, it begins after these things, again to say, chapter break, this is a, a new narrative, a, a new story in the life of, Ab- of Abram. 
And as this story begins, the word of the Lord comes to Abram in a vision. And this is a vision at night because later on, Abram is told to look at the stars and count them if he can. So Abram has this vision where the Lord says to Abram, Fear not, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. Fear not, always a good thing for the Lord or his angels to say when they appear to someone in in the scriptures, because to be confronted by God for a sinner is a fearful thing. But God is not there to punish Abram or to call Abram to account for his sin. Rather, he's there to give gifts. And so he tells Abram, your reward shall be very great. And as he says, your reward shall be very great, he's starting to answer the concern that Abram is about to voice. Before Abram ever tells the Lord what he's worried about, the Lord is already saying, I know, and I will give you gifts. So here's the concern in verse 2. Abram said, O Lord my God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Now, Eliezer is probably the the Eliezer who has been in the household of Abram as as his servant. Abram has this promised land that God has brought him to and given him, but he he has no descendants. He has no heirs. And Abram goes on in verse 3 to say, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And the Lord responds in verse 4, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Um, Literally, the Hebrew says, One who comes from your own body shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And then we have what um, is one of the most important verses in the book of Genesis. Verse 6 of Genesis 15 says, And he, Abraham, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Why is Abraham righteous before God? Not because of his works. And Abraham has done some astonishing, courageous, and obedient things. But that's not why he is righteous before God. He's righteous because he believes God's promises. Now, twice in the New Testament, St. Paul will quote this verse in Romans 4 verse 3. And in Galatians 3, 6, to remind us that we're not saved by works any more than Abram was. Abraham was righteous before God because he believed God's promises. You and I are righteous before God because we believe the promise that we are forgiven for the sake of Jesus. In fact, St. Paul goes on in Galatians 3, to say that because we share the same faith as Abram, we are actually children of Abram. We're part of his family because we're all part of the church, the family of God. So that's chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Abram has this promise from God that he will father a son. And he has a wife named Sarai, 
And Sarai has been barren all these years. And as Abram and Sarai wait for God to keep his promise, nothing happens. So between this text and 17 verse 1, Abram and Sarai attempt to help God keep his promise to them. Abram, at Sarai's bidding, sleeps with her maidservant Hagar, and Hagar conceives and bears a son. This is Ishmael. He will be the father of many nations. He will be a mighty man. But God declares he's not the child of the promise. Abram and Sarai thought, we have to help God keep his promise or else it won't happen. They try to do things a different way and God, God loves Ishmael. God will bless Ishmael. But God says, no, Ishmael is not the son that I've promised. Then we get to chapter 17, verse 1. And 17 begins, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between you and me and may multiply you greatly. It's quite an opening. Abram is now 99 years old. It's been 13 years since Ishmael was born, 13 years since God said, well, you've got a son, but it's not the son that I promised. And so Abram has now been living by faith, trusting God's promise for 13 years, and now he's 99 years old. Sarai is also in her 90s. So as each day goes by, it seems more unbelievable that God will ever keep his promise. But God appears to Abram and says, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Now that's a lot in one sentence because only three men are said to walk with God in the book of Genesis. Enoch was one. And of course, Enoch was taken to heaven without dying. Noah was another. The Lord used him to build the ark and, and preserved humanity through Noah and his family. And now Abram is the third. And the tie to Noah is especially strong because Noah is described as blameless. And here God tells Abram to be blameless before him. And then he declares that he is making his covenant with Abram. And the result of this covenant will be that Abram is greatly blessed. So in verse 3 we read, Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. All right, so God now repeats the promise that Abram will be the father of a nation, actually many nations. Before it was the father of a great nation, first and foremost Israel, but now with Ishmael, uh, Abram will be the father of, of, of many people and a multitude of nations and a father of kings. 
And as God repeats his promise here, he renames Abram. Abram means father is exalted. Now God renames him Abraham, which apparently means father of a multitude. God goes on to say this of his covenant in verse 7, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So up to now, God has said to Now, Abraham, I'm making a covenant with you. You will be the father of a great nation. Now, God declares that that covenant is not just for Abraham, but for his descendants through the promise. In other words, God says, my covenant is with you and what will be the nation of Israel. And because my covenant is with the generations to come, born of you through Isaac, or born through you and Isaac, Because my covenant is with them, this land, this promised land is theirs as long as I am the God of Israel. We know how that turns out. But God declares that he will give gifts to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Unless, of course, they don't want him to and turn to false gods instead. Now, here's the next part of the covenant. God gives a sign for this covenant. We read in verse 9, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised." So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenants. So, God declares that this covenant will have a sign. And the sign of all things is circumcision which seems a little bit peculiar to us today, but this is what God declares. And so each man in Abraham's household from eight-day-old infant up through the oldest is to be circumcised to have his foreskin removed, and this is a sign of the covenant. Every male, every day, if he has to go to the bathroom, he's going to see this sign. And that sign there will remind him that he is one of God's chosen people. And it's also a sign to God. He will look down upon the men of Abraham's household, see that they are circumcised, and know that they are part of the covenant. If they're not circumcised, says God, they're no longer part of the covenant. They are, they are broken off from it. 
so God gives the uh, the commandment for circumcision. By the way, circumcision was not unique in Near Eastern culture at the time. The Egyptians did it. I believe um, the Akkadians did it. A couple others did. However, in those other cultures, circumcision was reserved for um, ceremonies when, say, a boy achieved manhood or when a man was was close to being married, that's when circumcision took place. The idea of circumcising a baby, that was unique to Israel because of this covenant. And of course, we know from the New Testament, from Colossians, that circumcision of those baby boys was a, um, a foreshadowing of infant baptism. The baby boys were made part of the covenant as infants without their doing anything, just as babies are brought into the, children, into the kingdom of God today as infants um, without doing anything by means of holy baptism. So, God has given a covenant and now there's a sign that, that the men will notice every day and that God will, will see as well as a sign that they are under his covenant. In verse 15, God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Sarai and Sarah both mean princess, but the name change indicates she'll, uh, she now has a, a new phase of life as she is now in her 90s. And here's, here's what will change. God says in 16, I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall, be, he shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. So what's the big change in Sarah's life? In her, in her 90s, she's going to have her first child. And because the child is the son of the promise, she shall be the mother of nations and the mother of kings of peoples. A big promise. That's why God renames Sarai to Sarah. And by now, the promise is, is, is practically unbelievable. Abram heard it over 13 years ago. He's been waiting ever since. Tough enough for him to believe that he can still father a child. And now really difficult to believe that Sarah can be a mother. And so he, he tries to hide his doubt or deflect his doubt by pointing to Ishmael. Why can't Ishmael be the one in God's? Is because I've got my plan, and my plan is Sarah will have a son that you'll name Isaac. And God instructs them to name, uh, name the son Isaac, which means laughter. Um, and his, his name will remind them 
that when Abraham heard this promise, he laughed. In Genesis 18, when Sarah hears the promise for herself, she laughs. They laugh in doubt. But you can bet when Isaac is born, they laugh for joy. So, so after Abraham and Sarah laugh in doubt, God has the last laugh with Isaac. Now again, um, God declares his love for Ishmael. He gives him much, makes him a father of 12 princes and a great nation. But still, Isaac is the one in God's plan through whom the covenant will be carried out. And it's through Isaac's line that Jesus will be born. Now, um, verse 22 finishes this reading for us. When he, God, had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. He returned one more time in Genesis 18 to repeat this promise of Isaac's birth one more time, but for now God departs. So with these two stories, we have uh, two big points to remember with, with, with all the other uh, delightful stuff that's in here. First off is that important verse in Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. We're righteous, we're righteous before God, not by our works, but by faith, faith in God's promises. And the second one is, is a little bit in, in Genesis 15 and more in 17, that as God fulfills his covenant through Abraham, Isaac, and Isaac's descendants, this is the path to Jesus, who will eventually be born in that family line, born of Mary, to be our Savior. So way back here in Genesis 17, you see God at work to keep that promise of our redemption. All right, that's a quick look at our Sunday school readings, Genesis 15, 1 through 6, and Genesis 17, 1 through 22. God grants you every good gift as you're meditating upon these texts. God grants you every good gift if you're teaching this to others. And until we talk again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.